0: Welcome to Batting Around, uh, it's a baseball podcast. I'm uh, your co-host, Jane Aust, and with me, as always, is Lauren. What?
1: Why did I wave? This is, this is... <laughs> There's no video. I'm Lauren.
0: Yeah, that's Lauren. <laughs> and Steven. Hey, Steven. You. Yep. <laughs> and then we have, a, we have a guest that I'm really excited about this week. It's uh, Bailey of Foolish Baseball. How's it going?
2: Hey, how are y'all doing? Good.
0: Thanks for being here. I really do, uh, really do appreciate it.
2: I'm just happy to be here personally. Um, no one has talked to me on a podcast in four months now at least, so you know I'm just gonna do my best, try to come through with some anecdotes, be charming.
0: Yeah, we'll shake the rust off.
2: right, exactly. Been, I mean that was that was rust at first.
0: You haven't
1: productive lately though. Uh, I, I, I see your work in the uh, in the content minds. I think it was just yesterday, your latest for people who don't know, foolish baseball is is your YouTube channel.
2: Yeah, I know. yeah, I'm a full-time YouTuber. <laughs> It's one of the most noble pursuits uh, a person can have on the internet, is to be <laughs> a full-time YouTuber and, and hawk their content wares all over the internet.
1: Uh, as a big fan of the foolish baseball media empire, it, it's great to have you here. Uh, your most recent video about Otani's first week in MLB was awesome. I think it just came out yesterday.
2: Really good. Yeah, you know, it's always interesting because I, I work on them for two weeks, and then at the end I'm never really sure if they're good or not. Um, (laughs) So it's like I kind of have to wait to see if people actually still enjoy this or if I need to uh, start sending in applications to, like, Target or something. So until that day comes, I'm going to keep on making those videos. So, yeah, most recent was about Shohei Otani, specifically about uh, a one-week span Otani had in uh, early April 2018 in which he homered in three games and then pitched uh, seven shutout innings uh, a couple days after that.
0: No, that was a ton of fun. That was like, that was such a fun little period of time. Um, I hope he can get back to it somehow. I don't know if they're ever going to let him like really do it, like, really pitch again like that, like play two ways.
1: Um, so yeah, what, um, it's, it's been kind of a weird week in, in baseball, um, this week. Uh, I, Lucas Giolito, no hitter was, it was I think since the last time we recorded was the first thing that comes to, to uh, my mind in terms of like on the field play. That was really cool. Um, I just think it's cool he did the whole thing with, like, two pitches against, like, um, a, a, maybe one of the worst teams I've, I've ever, like, seen lose a no-hitter. Like, I remember one against the Marlins a couple years ago that was pretty bad, but, like, that Pirates team was rough.
0: Yeah, he even said, like, yeah, he, like, looked at the at the lineup of who was coming up when he was going into, like, the eighth or something, and he was like, oh, yeah, this is doable. <laughs> Which is, like... Pretty disrespectful, but I I, pre- I respect it though. <laughs> I respect it.
3: <laughs> I respect the disrespect.
1: At, at this point, I think like Gerard Dyson probably knows that's that's coming. Like I don't think the fourth outfielder guys are really that offended at this point.
2: It's funny because as he was getting into the seventh and eighth inning, you were thinking, man, my baseball Twitter just gonna be talking about Twin Peaks for the next two days if if he pulls this one off.
0: Yeah, I I almost tweeted that just like. Hey, isn't, did anybody know that this is uh, Mark Frost's nephew?
1: Right. The, the crossover for those audiences is, is incredibly small, but all of them follow me on Twitter.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that was that was super fun. And like just the week before, we had talked about Kent Ayada's like almost <laughs> no hitter, and then uh, Lucas Giolito went, went and did it, and it was no, it was a ton of fun. They had a you know their their celebration afterwards, and Eloy hurt himself.
1: Oh yeah, is, is is he doing better from that? Like I never saw the injury report. I
2: don't. I don't think he missed time from it. I think he just like cramped up or something. He's. I think he's become. He's very funny to me because he was like the this mega stud prospect, and I don't know if he's ever going to be like For an sure. amazing player, but he's definitely one of the most entertaining players lately. <laughs> Between his uh, <laughs> refusal to button his shirt and uh, constantly falling into the outfield net, but also hitting a lot of home runs, he i'm i'm very excited for the next few years of uh, Jimenez. Yeah, you just never really know what he's gonna do next he's a total wild card at
1: this at this point it's more <laughs> of a vest than a shirt it's like five buttons down i
3: can't think of anything i'd like to see more than those things yeah <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> he's gonna take batting practice in a tommy bahama shirt next i'm sure
0: Now we need to talk about um, the cancelled games that happened earlier this week Uh, It started with the NBA, with the Bucks um, Protesting police brutality by not taking the court Um, Then it spread to other sports, to Major League Baseball uh, WNBA, every team shut down Um, Started in MLB with the Brewers And then moved
3: on to a couple other teams Wednesday and Thursday
1: New York Times reported it was 10 games total I just looked it up uh, ten games total. I thought the the ones that were the most interesting the ones where they kind of, they one or two guys sat out the first night the next night um, and then the rest of the team went out to play the next night they canceled um, games I think because they just kind of realized they goofed and they should have just all sat out. Yeah, I
0: believe that that happened. That, yeah. that happened with the Rockies. I, I believe like Matt Kemp sat out. Yeah. and everybody else played, but then the next day they 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 realized they messed up. The Cubs
3: and the Cardinals also had, like, a pl- their black players sit out and everybody else not. And it's just like, ooh, this looks bad. Well,
0: and, then, and then with the Cubs, like, Rizzo came out and was, you know, like, nothing ever changes, you know, it all sucks, but the politicians don't do anything. And it was, like, a really dickish kind of tone-deaf statement. Like... I'm shocked. Yeah, no, no kidding. Like, <laughs> really, Rizzo? Um, it was more of a Frank Rizzo-esque moment, I think, than than anything else. Oh God,
3: don't don't bring <laughs> don't bring that evil into this podcast, yeah. please. <laughs> um, and then it's it's funny because um the the Astros and the A's games on um, Thursday, I think, also Wednesday were canceled because of the hurricane, and then on Friday they canceled their game it was just like yeah well we didn't play then because the hurricane well now we're not playing because of police brutality i think has every team done it once
2: no because i think i know the braves had like an off day on thursday or or wednesday or whenever whenever they're discussing all that so i don't think they actually like officially missed a game and i don't think the yankees did either
1: I think it'll be, it'll be really nice when the Marlins finally get to taking a game off in like two weeks from now because they're just on, on so far behind everybody else.
2: Right. I think the Marlins are one of the most interesting teams this year. Oh, I, absolutely. I think a possible video topic for me in the future will be kind of how they played pandemic baseball, just especially all the roster moves they made in like the first few weeks of the season to try to scrounge up a baseball team and then actually like winning games. I think they had like a nine-game stretch where they had a different starting pitcher every day.
1: Yeah, like the athletic article about um, how they rebuilt the bullpen on the fly was really interesting. Uh, all about how mm-hmm. like it's like the lowest um, lowest velocity bullpen overnight. Went, for, went from like 94 to 90 miles an hour or something crazy like that. Uh, but it kind of worked for a little while, it seemed. I, I think they're probably stalled out now, but it was like...
3: They're at 500 now. Yeah.
2: I had the crazy thought today. They tweeted out their lineup today, and I was like, if you change, like, one or two of these guys, I think it's a good lineup. Like, they kind of have everyone back now because, like, Dickerson's in the lineup and VR's in there, and so you have these guys, and they have, you know, Brian Anderson's, like, a great player, and then you're just like, yeah, if if Lewis Brinson ever figures it out, this is a team.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the day where I can't make fun of um, uh, that ownership group anymore, but it does kind of seem like they're doing something there.
3: (laughs) Don't fuck it up. (laughs) I have I am I am incredibly confident.
0: Yeah, I, I I I won't underestimate uh, you know, like vulture capitalism's ability to like really, really fuck up. It's baseball. true
2: and the
1: ownership group is still gonna owe like four hundred billion dollars uh repaying for the next thirty years, so no free agents ever.
0: Yeah, they'll they'll have a they'll have a good team somehow and like there'll actually be people in the stands again one day and you know, I mean it didn't look that different uh before it would be- COVID in Miami to be honest. I think we're but, gonna get some
1: Sixto Sanchez uh, Cy Young seasons with like five wins. That'd be cool.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> the Jacob DeGrom special.
0: We do have an update on uh now officially Friend of the Pod, Eric Sogard. Oh. Lauren, do you wanna do you wanna do you wanna take this one as well?
1: Yeah, um Eric Sogard walked off the uh, Pirates last night, um which is not particularly hard, as as we've said. Um but uh in the process of doing the Gatorade, uh, dump on him, uh, Luis, uh, uh, Urias completely flubbed it. Uh, and just like, it, it kind of clipped it. like he was sort of like running to the, um, up behind him when he's doing the broadcast, uh, recap. And, uh, I, I think it really is a testament to how much, um, like great plays at third base, um, uh, really hard stuff starts to look routine after a while uh and i think that's what happened here like we just kind of take for granted that the gatorade dump is is uh, a routine part of like the walk-off win at this point but that shit is hard that thing weighs like 80 or 90 pounds i'm sure it takes two guys and if they're not like super coordinated if they don't have like tandem kind of like that mentality i think you're going to see this kind of thing happen from time to time yeah where you just
0: yeah you know like it's got to be it's got to be like uh you know a second basin and a shortstop or a, or a battery You know, someone that's used to, like, really working together like that.
2: Yeah, the way I see it, I think um, it's kind of like um, an interesting height issue almost. Like, I feel like taller players may have an advantage there, or at least you want two guys that are relatively of the same height. Because when I'm looking at the Ria's tape, trying to break down, you know, some of the game tape, I see a guy who's trying to, like, really get that Gatorade cooler high, and he's kind of, he sells out eventually. He sells out, he's flinging his whole body basically upward, and that's what kind of causes the slip and fall. In the first place, so. yeah. he doesn't need to be jumping. No, he doesn't. Yeah.
0: No, and I think your eyes. Yeah, he kind of got too far ahead, and then he hits the on deck circle, which looks like it was a little slicker. Than yeah, you need
3: expecting. that center of gravity
1: like down in your knees. If got but too your far Center ahead. of gravity's too far up. You're gonna you're gonna mm-hmm. tumble.
3: I've just got this. I've just got this playing on loop on my other screen. It's <laughs> so fucking funny.
0: Well, there's there's our Eric Sogard update. Um, he's made it on the show three weeks in a row, um, so <clears throat> we'll be sending him a, a t shirt.
2: All I gotta say is Trent Grisham makes that play, so Milwaukee should really <laughs> r- really learn from their mistakes.
3: Um The A's have COVID. Oh do they?
2: Really?
1: Is that breaking? Yeah, I'm, I'm... No, I have oh,
3: I is that breaking that. news for you? <laughs> the Athletics have released a PR statement saying that a member of their organization has tested positive for COVID nineteen and their game in Houston is postponed. And the team is quarantining in Houston. Mm.
2: That's interesting. A few days ago, they announced like their first like clean round of testing where no one <laughs> tested positive, And then now <laughs> the A's have COVID, I guess.
3: They're the first team in the West. Yeah, I think so. Right. I think it's been Miami, St. Louis, and now Oakland. Oh, and Cincinnati. Whatever happened to that?
2: I think it was like a scare or something like that. Like Maybe they had a staff member test positive and then everyone quarantined up for oh. a few days. It's hard to keep track of these things. But
0: one thing's for sure is that Rob Manfred's not a quitter, and we're going to play no matter what.
1: We're getting yeah, well, it's because no he what.
2: respects the game of baseball, first and foremost, and <laughs> yeah. he demands that we see all 60 games, even <laughs> if they're all two innings.
3: Yeah, I, I was visiting my parents yesterday, and my dad was just like, you think they're going to have a World Series? I'm like, of course they're going to have a World Series. If they haven't stopped by now, they're not going to stop.
0: No, like, somebody would have to die at this point i think and i'm not
3: sure that they'd stop
0: no i'm not sure either like uh, that'd be yeah i don't think they would um but like that's the only way it's like even even possible for them to stop it at this point
2: i mean eduardo rodriguez has like what could be a career ending like heart condition it's like we don't we don't know about like the long-term effects of this thing but like this entire season like you you might have taken out like one of the better starting pitchers in baseball with like a heart condition because you played through COVID basically. So yeah, like you said, Jane, like I, really someone needs to end up like on the hospital on the ventilator before we even like think about it.
1: Well, best best of luck to the Which A's, really nonetheless. Cool. Uh, there's worse places to be quarantined than Houston at the peak of crawfish season. So
3: <laughs> also hurricane season.
1: Yeah, that's true. Hopefully they're not there too long. That, that uh, any day now it could get. Uh, God knows
0: how can happen. Okay, we do have our first question that we've gotten from fans. At Gary Sanchez Goat on Twitter says, for the record, a seven-inning perfect game does count as a perfect game. And then he says, at batting around, as president of baseball podcasts and therefore in charge of all baseball related canon
3: can i get a ruling on this uh where do we land on that
0: i'm fine with it
3: well to start with i'm i'm very happy to hear that our authority is being respected right but, yeah I don't...
0: <laughs> that, that's it you don't have an opinion on it you just start right. to add that
3: <laughs> well no i need to think i need to think on it okay
1: the important thing is that we are uh, we are correctly acknowledged as significant influencers in the baseball space. Um, that that said, I I have no problems calling a seven inning game a perfect game. Uh, you put an asterisk by it if you have to, but uh, I I just feel like it it would re- be completely on un- It's one of those things where um, what am I trying to say here? Um, I would just feel bad for the guy if he goes out there and throws a perfect seven. And they're like, no, you can't do anymore because we got to do this other thing now. Like, that's not his fault.
3: But how many perfect games do we lose past the seventh
1: Right,
0: inning? Kenta Maeda would have had a, I mean, he would have had a no hitter.
1: Which is fine. Most of the guys who have thrown perfect games are dead, so they won't care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I think it needs an asterisk, personally.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I think it does, too.
2: I think a perfect game that's seven innings is kind of like, I don't know, making the playoffs in a 60-game season with 16, 16 <laughs> playoff spots. Like, yeah, it counts, but it's also it's kind of its own thing.
1: Oh, What did you guys think of all the journalists saying this week that they really liked the seven games? Because I saw a bunch of them saying, like, oh, this is great. We should do this more often. I'm just curious what you guys Because I'm like, eh, I, I'm I'm not crazy about the idea. I'm curious what you guys think.
3: I don't like it.
2: Yeah, I, I disagreed completely. Um, I mean, I think from a utilitarian standpoint, when you're trying to get through these double-headers, like, I get it. Like, I'm not mad at them for that. But, yeah, I mean, if you to play a seven-inning baseball game, it completely changes, like, what starting pitching looks like and, and what a bullpen, uh, what you ask of your bullpen. So I think from that standpoint alone, I would have to yeah, disagree. I,
0: like, I get it for this season when there's like no days off when they really have to jam all these games in i think it's fine um because the season is just weird and it's it's gonna have weird things like that but it's it's something that i really hope that it doesn't continue going forward and i i
1: get it from the Absolutely perspective not. of the reporters the beat the beat writers who have to watch all 162 games like yeah i'd be sick of that shit too after like many right. games
0: i haven't watched both games of a doubleheader yet this year like <laughs> <laughs> i did not watch both twins games yesterday like, I mean, they're hard to watch um, But anyway, but, like, I couldn't do it. I went and took a nap instead.
3: I know I, my pre, I've previously been on the record saying that the seven-inning doubleheader games might actually work in the Phillies' advantage because then they That's would true. have less exposure to their bullpen, <laughs> um, but as it turns out, the bullpen can still fuck it up even in w- using fewer innings, so... Um, since the advantage for my team has not materialized, I am back to not liking
2: the rule. But in a way, them continuing to blow it kind of adds legitimacy <laughs> to the seven-inning format, doesn't it? Because it means it's, you know, regardless of whether it's the ninth inning, yeah, or the seventh inning of a doubleheader, like, they, the Phillies' bullpen still understands what they're supposed to do.
1: <laughs> they are going to get out there, and they are going to put meatballs
3: right down Dread the middle. It. Run from it, the Phillies' bullpen still arrives. But how do we feel about the
0: runners on the base and in extra innings
3: i hate it i hate it
1: first i have to say that i love the idea of like a, 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 a the baseball of the future like it's 20 2054 and iranola the third goes out and throws like a perfect three 3.2 innings uh and then like Ant- anthony santander the fourth comes out and throws one ceremonial pitch that just like gives up a bomb and that's the end of like just the ritual of the game. <laughs> Anyway, sorry.
0: <laughs> what do you, uh, what do you, what do you all think about the extra runner on, on during uh, during extra
3: innings? I get it, but it sucks. You don't like it? I'm
0: I like I don't I don't dislike it as much as I thought I would. Like, it, it's it's uh, I don't think it's that bad, honestly.
1: As a big fan of strategy in baseball, uh, by which I mean pitchers hitting and the double switch, I like that they've added something back for losers like me.
0: I I I thought I hate you know I thought I was gonna hate it, and then I was watching that. The Kenta Maeda game, um, and when it got <laughs> into extra innings and, you know, gets into the 12th and all of a sudden Byron Buxton starts on, uh, on second, I was like, okay, no, this is actually pretty fucking cool. I'm okay with this.
2: It's almost hard to assess, like, what a lot of these rule changes really mean long-term for the game because this is such an anomaly of the season, you know? It's almost like we're so happy just to see baseball back in some form. It's like, yeah, <laughs> sure, put a runner on second base. Sure, put the DH in <laughs> the it. NL. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should just ban switch hitting next. Pick a side, idiot. I think that's. A- <laughs> <laughs> you only get to take one. Helmet I think that's a really rookie.
1: good point too. Like uh, a lot of people are predicting there would be a, like a lot of bunts and it would bring back bunting in a big way. And it really hasn't.
3: Like not in the game. I would uh, the Phillies Braves game I watched a, t- a few days ago is like as soon as it got to the extras is just bunting galore.
0: Well, the Phillies still have to like make you miserable, Stephen. That's their job. Okay.
3: That is their job, and they're doing it very well. <laughs>
0: No, you sound like you do sound like extra dejected this week.
3: Me? <laughs> yeah. uh, they're in a five-game winning streak. Yeah, and you're still miserable. <laughs> I'm always miserable. That's my secret.
0: True. Yeah. True. Son of Philadelphia. Okay.
3: Um. But the the DH needs to stay in the National League forever. That's the one thing that is unambiguously good.
1: I think that battle's been lost. Yeah.
3: I was a I was a pitchers hitting loyalist for very for a very long time before I decided to pack it in. I saw the writing on the wall, much like my my abandoned pronunciation of the moving <laughs> picture file. I was on the losing side of that as well. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as
1: Rich Hill went to the AL, I stopped caring about pitcher hitting. <laughs>
0: All right, and then we'll move into our roundtable discussion for this week. The topic is, what's really ruining baseball? Uh, We hear a lot of things are ruining baseball. Um, We mostly hear it from old scolds that are saying things like, uh, you know, bat flips are ruining baseball. Um, You know, these disrespectful players are ruining baseball. uh, Pitchers not going nine innings anymore is ruining baseball. Um, But I don't think that those are any of the correct answers. Let's let's go around the horn here. Like Lauren, what what do you think is is really ruining I you know baseball? it's
1: it's an interesting question uh, that I think about a lot, uh, probably because baseball seems really focused on what's wrong with baseball, and I think a lot of like what uh, the media people come up with is tend to be um, bad reads of the situation. Um, first and foremost, I I think uh, I mean I think like the biggest most o- overarching problems are like. Uh, um, what's good for baseball mlb as a a financial institution is not necessarily what's good for the sport of baseball and it's continued replication generation to generation i think like the um, biggest problem uh, is that tickets are too expensive if we look historically at uh, when baseball was uh, the most popular sport in america um, it was you could uh, get tickets in the outfield for uh, a couple bucks pennies And now it's all focused on uh luxury seating for season ticket holders um what's interesting with that problem i think is that we do kind of have a future uh where maybe that's potentially uh not a problem uh because we are increasingly seeing that decoupling in baseball between ticket sales and profitability Um, a lot of those packages were developed because for a long time those two were closely related but because of cable deals because of bamnet uh, we're seeing uh, teams being totally profitable without ever um, putting a fan in the in the, the stadium. Um, so maybe there is an opportunity to kind of separate those problems and get people in the stands for cheaper. If it keeps things full and it, it brings young people into the game, it would be really good for the sport. I don't think we'll see that happen um, necessarily uh, with the uh, commissioner we currently have, but it's certainly something they could do if they're interested in exploring it.
0: Like, you know, every team, every single team is profitable now. Uh, you can look at the you know Marlins games when there's just nobody there, or even like you know White Sox games a couple of years ago when there'd be just nobody, <laughs> nobody in the stands. Uh, it doesn't matter; still profitable. Um, which is kind of funny. Which is what you know. Which kind of makes it funny when these teams crow about or these owners crow about um you know their 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 profit margins and things like that. Because it's like no, it's it's kind of they're they're kind of doing some like the Hollywood accounting where uh they're they're profitable. The, but they're just gonna make it seem like they're they're
3: gonna act like they're yeah not, so long yeah. as the books
1: are closed they're
3: never gonna they cry poor to be more profitable
0: yeah getting getting people in the stands like i mean i've when when your team's bad you can go when it's cheap but that's like that's no fun nobody wants to do that like you know they're like years ago it was easy for me to get a twins ticket for five dollars but like the mm-hmm. team was horseshit so <laughs> you know just gonna go like watch them get blown out by somebody uh I mean I'm I'm a weirdo and I'm still going to have fun with that but like that's not going to uh incentivize like a lot of people to to go like they like they need to really and then of course like <laughs> along with that um the other things that are prohibitively expensive is like the streaming and the and uh uh you know the cable packages that you need to have <laughs> in order to watch the game at home uh you know if you want to do it legitimately if you're not pirating the stuff like with all the blackouts and stuff it's just like really really um it's like they don't want people watching (laughs) watching their games
3: well it's because like the cable companies are the ones giving them the money so they're the ones that they're bending over backwards to to accommodate
2: and to kind of connect that back to lauren's point like because the money in this sport right now is in tv deals then i think that does actually like lend a greater incentive to to just kind of say, fuck it, as far as ticket prices go, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't see any reason why a a ticket to a baseball game can't be $5 right now, you know, (laughs) because at least then you can get people in the stadium and and they'll buy a a ton of overpriced concessions to begin with. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just really think, like, tickets to baseball games, like, could be way lower because that's not really where the money is even coming into the sport in the first place.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, every time I go to a game, I end up, you know, Spending at least fifty dollars, uh, you know, besides the ticket. I, I think this
1: is the first big breaking news on the podcast. Foolish BB just endorsed uh, uh, letting fans back in the stands today for five dollars just to pack them in there.
2: Yeah, I did. <laughs> I think they should all get in there and just start coughing. He's a
0: reopener. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just bang, banging on the, uh, <laughs> banging on the the gates like the Eric Andre, uh, <laughs> sketch. Yeah. All right. Um, with Steven, do you got what do you, what do you think is is ruining the game?
3: Um, I don't think that it is actively ruining the game currently the way that, you know, the previous things we discussed, but I think it is very very um concerning how expensive it is to play baseball. Right. Um and you're essentially locking a significant Part of the population out of access to, you know, like travel, like travel ball, and like all, all showcase th- leagues and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah.
1: I have to pay them so much money to let me to uh, let the traveling team to let me play on it as a thirty-one year old. Like it's like a thousand bucks to overlook the age <laughs> rules.
3: Yeah, so you're you're shrinking the population that has access to playing, and therefore. It's like you're increasingly getting players that are like whiter, wealthier, and that has a lot of other consequences um, for the game. But eventually, like as it gets harder to to play, you're you're you're, you're shrinking you're shrinking this pool, and in the future, it's like it's gonna like fundamentally change what baseball looks like
1: in some ways it already has Mm
3: -hmm. yeah and it 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 has and it and um just just look at the dwindling numbers of black players in the league over the past however many years um that's just going to continue because like baseball can can invert mlb to say blm on the mound all at once but like it absolutely does not want to address the actual issues um because it it they're they're reaping historic historic profits from these from not paying minor yeah they or, uh, they have like <laughs> a fair yeah, way they have
0: a you know unique like permission from congress to, uh, you know, keep keep paying their minor leaguers below minimum wage, basically. Um, and, like, yeah, those prohibitive costs of entry, um, the, that poor minor league pay. And, you know, it does take a long time to develop a baseball player into a major leaguer. Um, and so, it, I don't know, it makes it so young, like, uh, talented athletes are more likely to just go to a different games instead.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's very obvious, even watching right now, that, like, the best raw athletes in this country don't play baseball. I mean, many of them, it seems like, never even pick up a baseball bat at this point. If you if you ever, like, tune into, like, the NFL Combine, those guys don't look like American baseball players, at least. Um, and, you know, baseball's a skill game. It's played with a bat and ball, and um, so not everyone needs to be built like an Adonis to be good at it. But if you're talking about who the best, like, pure athletes are in the game, it's not American players, so, you know. It's, uh, it's, like, it's Tatis, you know, it's it's Otani. And and beyond that, too, if you look at top prospects over the last, you know, three, four, or five years, at the very top of those lists, it's not American players either. You know, it's, it's Wander Franco, it's it's Lubob, it's Acuna, it's uh, Guerrero, you know, it's Moncada. So, you know, it's and the thing is, when you come from people from those countries, like, generally, yeah, their best athletes are playing baseball. So that's kind of created this, like, very weird gap where so much i mean it's it's good for the game in some ways but so much of the game is just like young latin talent that was like that comes from a population that's been you know exploited over and over again by this game and you know the few of them that make it to the top they're like seriously the very best the game has to offer but those guys aren't you know american born players
3: and then they and then they proceed to get all the fun and joy beaten out of them by getting yelled at for Swinging on a three-zero count.
0: Yeah, and like when when it's the game gets wealthier and whiter, it also gets like completely anti-fun. Um, mm-hmm. There's that there's that stoicism that, that comes along with those uh, with you know that kind of class. of I don't players. know what you're talking
1: about. I think Paul Goldschmidt is very fun. <laughs> <laughs> the man simply loves grocery shopping. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The the uh, the unwritten rules stuff that everyone was you know kind of in an uproar about or they got a lot of lot of talk you know last week uh, or week before um, I mean that doesn't come from like <laughs> the Latin American players like they they like you know have to kind of restrict themselves when they when they get here um, you know a game of baseball in America looks nothing like it would in uh, you know Dominican or Venezuela or something
1: or South Korea
0: or South Korea mm-hmm. yeah yeah. All right, Bailey, do you have uh, do you have anything else to add to that? Anything that we might have missed here?
2: Not on, on that particular subject, I don't think so. Um, but I will throw out one more uh, thing that's ruining baseball. Um, so we've talked about some like really structural type things, you know, that are you know that plague the game, and they affect you know a, a baseball player's journey from like the time they're a child up into the majors. Um, Purely on the field right now, when I'm watching a game of baseball, there is one trend that I think uh, from a spectator perspective needs to be altered sooner rather than later, and that's simply that there's not enough balls in play at the moment. I think balls in play are equal to entertainment in so many ways. You get to see flashy defense, you get to see guys try to take the extra base on on a double or a triple. I don't necessarily think home runs are a bad thing, but I think more balls in play is something we should definitely find ways to encourage in the game. The reason it's not happening now is because teams have kind of smartened up. They've realized that a strikeout and a groundout are are basically the same thing. So, you know, swing swing for the fences. fences, Right. I think there are ways you could do it. Um, One way that they experimented with, and I believe the Atlantic League, which is now has a partnership with uh, Major League Baseball, is they moved the mound back a couple feet. Um, And the effects of that were kind of interesting. The if you move the mound back a couple of feet on its own, uh, breaking pitches can actually become more effective in a way. Imagine if um, you know a Garrett Cole slider had two more feet of you know time when it's in the air. That's actually it's actually going to move more by the time it reaches home plate. Um, so to combat that, you know you could move the mound back, but also enforce the rules about you know foreign substances on you know pitchers' self more, so they can get a little bit less uh, spin on it at least less you know unnatural spin and then of course in response to that you would have to you know really change the the construction of the baseball fundamentally as well because you're giving the hitters some contact advantages but as far as like when I'm watching the game from a spectator's perspective like I think in terms of just purely increasing entertainment value I think finding some sort of way to incentivize more balls in play is uh, is something that the league is going to have to deal with sooner rather than later.
1: I think it's a really good point. I, I'm actually curious what you think, because I've always, um, I've long thought that uh, expansion was a, very, a natural way to um, lower the kind of pitching depth talent that a lot of teams have, and, and maybe uh, get, I'm curious what you think about that as a solution.
2: I mean, I think that's, we've even seen it to some extent this year, um, just with the amount of pitching injuries and the expanded rosters. I mean, this is almost a look of what uh, a Baseball season would look like with expansion. Now you're seeing players who normally wouldn't play in the majors play in the majors, and um, yeah, I haven't really looked at the numbers on balls in play this year compared to the previous few years. I don't think they're up. I mean, I know in the first two weeks of the season, no one could hit anything seemingly, uh, and now offense has picked back up, uh, thankfully. But yeah, it's it's. I think expansion it would definitely be one tool against that.
3: But the thing holding sorry the thing holding expansion back is. Um, the weird shitty situations that Oakland and Tampa are in and Major League Baseball's unwillingness to let that go um, because if Oakland and Tampa are, always have the the threat of relocation hanging over them then that means that other teams can bully their um, local municipalities into funding uh, new ballparks so it it all comes back to baseball caring more about increasing its profits. It's just fucking money. I, That's what it is. And it
2: yeah. and it's really only short-term profits. Like there there are certain, you know, uh things that owners could be doing right now that would actually in- increase the long-term viability of the sport and as well as their long-term profits, but they don't, it's all about, you know, this year uh-huh. specifically, it's all mm-hmm. about what are we going to yeah. tell, you know, especially for some of these corporate-owned teams, it's like, what are we going to tell people at the end of the quarter, you know, forget the game of baseball.
1: I think that's probably getting into, like, the, yeah. the overall, like, biggest problem with baseball right there, is that, that um, differing incentives for, uh, you know, ownership groups, like, leverage with debt, trying to term short-term profits over the health of the long-term, long-term health of the game.
3: Every problem we've brought up has the same, like, that is the core of all of them.
1: Okay, other problems in baseball? I got two more. Okay, first and foremost, um, uh, this has been plaguing baseball for a long time. This is my biggest pet issue. I bring this up every chance I get because I think it's something LB really needs to embrace. Um, 30 major league teams, 30 signature regional hot dogs.
2: Mm. We do not have it. We need to get (laughs) there.
1: Um, Bold. Second big problem in baseball, Um, and this is something I've heard from friends in social media for years uh, on teams working, um, uh, but across the league and um, it's, we can look at other leagues and how they handle kind of that ecosphere of media around that develops around them organically, including in new media spaces like social media and YouTube and uh, for years now, I think baseball has been way behind if, uh, the NBA and other sports, who have really embraced those kinds of technologies. It's really only in the last year or so that I have seen um, MLB work with and cooperate with um, uh, original content creators, such as um, uh, uh, not just Major Baseball. Baseball. There's also um, Drafted Mark. There's a whole. There's a bunch of them now. They're doing some really John Boy. John uh, Boy. A total breakout. Absolutely. Um, but I'm curious, uh, what you think, because I, I, I know it from like the media licensing perspective, like teams wanting to, um, finally getting access to put clips on Twitter and, and Instagram. I'm curious, um, your experience with that as well.
2: Yeah, I think, so I have completely different experiences from like, uh, people who came before me on this. Um, you know, I've only been in the baseball content creation game for like a two years, a year and a half now or something like that. And um, in my experiences with MLB as far as, like, copyright and sharing clips has been, I think, for the most part, like, positive. Like, I think it's been indicative of progress in a way. So to give you, like, a little quick, like, history lesson, like, one of the big um, sort of uh, events from this from a creator's perspective was this guy called uh, Dodger Films who basically would go to Dodgers games and uh, kind of record, like, his uh, stadium experiences And he did it for, like, I don't know, probably a a few years, and then eventually, basically, MLB came along and just, like, completely destroyed his channel. Like, they took away, took down all that stuff, and now he's basically, like, relegated to being, like, an MLB The Show uh, YouTube channel. And um, I think, to some extent, like, that, that attitude is, like, gone now. Um, I think it's more like it's I don't feel like necessarily embraced by MLB as someone who like independently creates content, but I feel like it's a lot more like laissez faire as far as their approach. You know, I post clips of games on Twitter all the time and they don't get taken down, you know, the next day they just stay up. And then for me personally it's like um what it really comes down to is is I have to edit the videos right now in a way that won't trip up the copyright bots and the bots that sort of trawl every um YouTube video. and and try to find copyright material. And the reason is because it really can't tell the difference between me talking about something Shohei Otani is doing versus posting an entire game that he played. The bot just doesn't know the difference. So for me personally, like once I can jump through that hoop of editing around the copyright bot, what doesn't happen, which used to happen to people in the past, is that people don't manually search up the videos and claim them or try to take them down at MLB. So once it's up, like it's usually in a good spot. So... I would say this is like indicative of like progress being made. I think there's still more progress to be made, but actually, in terms of like, if, at least if you're like an independent like content creator like I am, MLB is actually one of the more friendly leagues at the moment, as as far as uh, that goes. You're, you'd be in a worse spot trying to make something about say uh, NFL football or college mm-hmm. football than you are with with MLB at the moment, which is um, which contradicts what like a lot of people think. But I think that's a very recent trend. I don't think. And I think even, like, the, the breakout of John Boy has, has fueled that to some extent.
1: Right. I think the thing that really gave me hope that there was progress at this front was when they when they invited you to um, go to spring training, and you gave the race COVID.
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah, I shook everyone's <laughs> hand. Yeah, I actually, um, I'm actually, like, the patient zero of uh, MLB coronavirus. Everyone just kind of has what I had, and so my apologies to Oakland.
3: Actually, hold on. Let's circle back. Lauren, you said there need to be 30 signature hot dogs?
0: Yeah, let's talk about this some more. We kind of glossed over that.
3: So that means for the team, not necessarily for the for the market, because there are two-team markets, after all.
1: That's true. That's correct. And I think um, a good example of that is... Um like the, the i don't think that the dodger dog should really count as a signature dog um that is probably like one of the more famous hot dogs in the league right now but it's just a, it's just a big hot dog it's not even that big it's just like a kind of big hot dog uh I, I think like you need like to like the full level sonoran dog like which is like distinct to the region of like that arizona new mexico um part of the southwest although they're popular in la too um but like we're a country with diverse food ways. Um, I think you can come up with two things in, in New York or LA that are, are unique to the to the area in terms of like good condiments on a hot dog.
0: Yeah, those are two cities that never shut the fuck up about how good their food is. So they have no excuse for uh, not having like two different signature Absolutely. hot dogs here.
1: Uh, I'm frankly, I'm so just mad two years later at how bad the concessions were at um, at the Angels uh, facilities. Just awful. Like the, the biggest signature thing is just like a waffle fry with garlic on it, like come on.
0: Oh. Ugh. weak. That's really weak. It was fun last year in the um when the when the twins signed Nelson Cruz, they they did a uh like two two and a half foot long uh hot dog called the boomstick that was just like covered in jalapenos and cheese and shit. That's a good oh, one. That's like yeah. you can see no, like, <laughs> Google it is. You it's, can see like the,
1: the organization developing the hot dog through the minors and like starting to bring new ideas to the major league level. <laughs> mm. That's progress. That's great.
2: Yeah, actually the most advanced hot dogs are in the Atlantic League. That's what they're playing for this year. But unfortunately, that's not going to be a testing ground. So most of the good hot dogs right now are actually at the alternate training sites, um, and players are trying them every day. And maybe one day they'll make it to the big league level, but uh, you know, only a small fraction of them, unfortunately.
1: Absolutely. And there's so much, getting, there's so much development in South America right now uh, mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll see it at some point, but it's going to take time.
0: All right. <laughs> okay, cool. I think that that I think we can end it on that note. Um, Bailey, where can people find you here if they don't already know you?
2: I think the two main ways would be on Twitter at foolishbb. Um, I was talking to Lauren earlier. I mentioned that at foolish baseball is taken by a Japanese baseball fan who hasn't tweeted in a few years. But <laughs> if you're interested in some Japanese baseball stats, you could also check out at yes, foolish baseball. follow us? If you follow Uh, us, you have a
1: duty to go and harass that man.
0: Yeah, and you have a Patreon, too, right?
2: I do, yeah. Patreon.com slash Foolish Baseball. And also, another thing I should probably mention is that I also have a YouTube channel, which is also called (laughs) Foolish Baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, And there I have a series of videos that are called Baseball Bits. They're sort of this baseball video essay type style look into of sabermetric concepts. I think the idea is that I wanted to make sabermetrics more accessible and fun to people and and that's sort of my aim with the channel. So, if that interests you, definitely check it out.
0: Um, okay, cool. Well, yeah, go check out uh, go check out Bailey's stuff there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at batten around. Uh, and then you can go not follow Lauren. Correct. Don't uh, follow don't me. Follow Lauren. Don't
1: expect anything intelligent from any of us. Just only only from the YouTuber.
0: Yep. Yeah, don't don't bother looking into us. Just go just go find Bailey's stuff. Alright, thanks for listening, everybody.